0: Most of the the space engineering is used to manage risk and to assess risk. When you look at most of engineering studies around space projects, there are risk assessments. All the risks are well defined uh, with mitigation solutions. And that's probably the only industry where you do this, maybe in the
1: the chemicals or probably health industry too. Hello, space enthusiasts. You're now listening to Space Forward Podcast. I'm Hussein Bukhari, your host. With me are Matthias Frenzel and Benjamin Shapiro. In this episode, we wanted to understand the mindset and the decision tree space business angels are following when they make their investment decisions. What are common best practices and how they see space sector and its growing opportunities. Our guest today is the chairman of Eban Space, the space branch of Europeans' leading early stage investor network and co-founder of the Luxembourg Space Tech Angels and Mana Electrics. Fabrice Testa and an aerospace engineer by training is a Luxembourgian space business angel, serial entrepreneur, co-founder and chief financial officer of Mana Electrics which aims to be the utility company of the solar system and building solar panel on the moon. Fabrice is a shareholder in the Space Angels and as a mentor, coach, and in several other roles, he has supported startups to scale their ideas. So let's get started on the episode. All right. I have a lot to say because you have done so much. So I'm very, very curious as to Would you would you like to give us a a bit of an introduction? You have been a chairman of Eban Space. You're a Luxembourgian business angel, serial entrepreneur, co-founder and CFO of uh, Mana, Uh, and that's a very very cool name, uh, just to me because uh, it, it means something very special to me. And uh, you're the head coach of Space Cohort Edition Nine of the Acceleration Program. I'm very, very curious as to why did you make the transition to space?
0: Yes, uh, thank you uh, for for inviting me and for and for the question. I, I had a passion for space since my early age, uh, and probably as far as I remember, you know, I was a big fan of Star Trek. Uh, Of course, Star Wars, but uh, probably Star Trek was uh, for me, uh, yes, uh, my preferred, let's say, uh, series, uh, you know, with Captain Kirk, uh, adventures, etc. Yeah, I I think from an early age, uh, I I wanted uh, to go to space to be an astronaut. And I remember that uh, uh, I discussed with with some people, you know, giving advice for uh, studies, etc., and when I I told them, look, I would like to be an astronaut, you know, they were very, very surprised because it was uh, not a usual request. And then they said, look, probably you need to to study uh, astronautics, etc. And and in Belgium, because I'm Belgium, I'm, I'm not Luxembourgish, I'm Belgian. In Belgium, uh, around Liège, there is the University of Liège, and and there and it's. The only school in Belgium where you can learn aerospace. So I decided to study uh, aerospace engineering. To be honest, uh, I did like, let's say, the technology aspects. Uh, but I think that already from that period of my life, I didn't like really or I didn't, let's say, see me really as an engineer uh, but i like your technology uh i wanted maybe to leave uh, to to be a jet pilot finally you know uh, people told me look uh, uh you are doing well in the engineering it's better that you you finish to graduate as an engineer so I graduated as uh, as an engineer. There was the first tendering from ESA for the first astronauts by that time, but I was, ob- was obviously too young without experience. So I decided uh, to wait. I started uh, some uh, yeah, some career as an engineer in a space company. Uh, and we were building uh, optomechanical instruments uh, for many experience uh, scientific experience i did this 2 3 years but uh, yeah uh, it was not really my stuff so i decided to transition to to business and entrepreneurship Yeah, quite very soon I created my first company. It was uh, in the multimedia uh, field. We were mainly uh, building interactive systems, so not really websites. And then uh, I I left, let's say, the the space industry to enter uh, another industry, which was the entertainment industry and the digital transformation. Uh, to finally come back to to create a, a company, a space company in Luxembourg, and it's how I started uh, back in uh, end of 2012 with uh, a space satellite uh, company. And so, finally, yes, I think space was uh, always there, of course, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I took different paths, I would say. But then now, yes, I'm I'm again back uh, fully in space. As you mentioned, as uh, chairman of Event Space, I'm also the co-founder of the Luxembourg Space Tech Angels. I co-founded this company, MANA Electric, uh, where we have this long-term vision to manufacture solar panels uh, on the moon. Yeah, and uh, I'm also involved in different other companies. I'm also a small shareholder of uh, Space Angels in the US, uh, which is uh, a key player, let's say, in the, in the space uh, or the new space uh, economy. So yes, uh, I'm involved in different aspects and, uh, and probably space was
1: al- always there for sure. Yeah, so passion, move from passion, come back to passion. Was it hard for you to come back or was it just natural?
0: No, I think there was not uh, really, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was natural. I think it was probably uh, a natural, let's say, come back. I had this inside of me, you know, uh, probably I have space in my, in my blood. (laughs) No, I'm passionate about about space, but yeah, generally speaking, I, I'm I'm passionate about uh, to business, about entrepreneurship. Today, uh, through my work at different levels, what I what I want is to make my contribution. Let's say to build. Uh, a better world. And I do believe that space is an enabler in that respect, uh, because most of, uh, of space utilization is very helpful to, uh, to better, let's say, uh, manage uh, planet Earth to create of our future will be in the space with space exploration. I do think that, yeah, space is a big component. It's not the only one, of course. It's why I like uh, this uh, new company, Mana Electric, because we uh, uh, we we have a clear, let's say, mission to, to contribute uh, uh, to, uh, to the environmental, let's say, challenges by building, let's say, clean solar capacity on Earth. And we have this long-term vision that will help somehow uh, humans to establish themselves on the moon.
1: Now, I you know, I just wanna I wanna set the tone for for our topic today, space investing and looking at the fundamentals of, of this. Very curious to hear your thoughts on when we put space market into phases, you know, do you believe that it follows a similar logistic growth curve like the IT industry? did late in the late seventies and eighties and nineties. And to name a more recent example of that curve, the buildup of artificial intelligence and, you know, the, the the hype around artificial intelligence from just maybe five years ago. Do you think it follows that curve? I think that uh,
0: there has been always investment into the space uh, industry, uh, of course, at different levels. I think the what has changed probably in the last 10 or 15 years in the space sector is that a lot of private money has been injected into the space industry during years and years it was space was mostly funded thanks to public it's still heavily uh, public funded of course uh, space uh, research and and space challenges, but we have seen, yeah, the arrival of new players and, you know, mostly these billionaires, Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, Paul Allen, Richard Branson. I think they, they created a new passion for space. So I think we, we should be thankful to, to them because now space is sexy again. And, and a lot of money has, has floated truth uh, to space thanks to them because they, they made it attractive again. A lot of young entrepreneurs are dreaming ag- again about space. It's how the, the rise of what is called the new space came. I think it's one of the parameters, of course, this this tech of a new, let's say, entrepreneurial, let's say, probably generation. The, the amount of private money, I would say that there are a, a couple of other factors for the new space. One of them is the rise of what I call exponential technologies. So you mentioned AI, but also the, the 3D printing, uh, the microelectronics. There are a lot of, uh, of course, everything which is linked to data, and now I think for anyone, it's quite easy to, to get, let's say, space data to make some cool applications, which, yeah, have quite useful, let's say, uh, utilization here on earth. So th- this has been possible in the, in the last years. And this was an enabler for sure for the, the new space industry. We have seen also the emergence of new business models because previously it was, uh, yeah, uh, very uh, very simple business model. Uh, companies were building uh, technologies uh, for uh, ESA, NASA, etc. And now we see, uh, for example, uh, commercial companies around uh, this uh, this uh, data analytics uh, things. We see uh, companies around space tourism. Yeah, even now uh, for the, the space debris removal, etc. So there are a lot of uh, new business models that are emerging. This this is what, and of course, in the in terms of uh, launchers, uh, we have seen now companies doing uh, launch for uh, yeah for better prices. Uh, of course, SpaceX, but uh, we can see Rocket Lab that uh, announced recently a, a SPAC, you know, like a, like an IPO. All this uh, contributes uh, to the emergence of, uh, of the new space industry. But I think uh, humanity as always invested in space because probably uh, it's a natural let's say move of uh, of the human nature to always go beyond and after the discoveries of everything on earth yeah the the new frontier is is for sure space so it's why probably there was always this uh, this willingness to to explore new worlds and the extreme new world is of
1: course the space uh, here's a question for you you know when we categorize a space market, we 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 look at the two factors: time to value. You know, we're looking at uh, the the four separate markets that are within the space market as an overarching. You know, you have um, products and services that are orbit driven for Earth, orbit driven for neighborhood, very specifically. So diving into the niches, neighborhood for Earth. So even diving into a further niche, and then going you know looking at the futuristic component of where you are presently and how that impacts the interstellar component you know how would you structure the market uh, in regards to how are you seeing this orbit for earth market this earth observation market to 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 formulate itself and to make it simple you know the downstream of applications is that is that just the space market is that it
0: yeah, it's a very interesting question. Uh, how I see it is, uh, you know, basically how uh, we see and also all, all most of the community and investors see it is that there is, of course, everything which is downstream and everything which is upstream. So what is ups- downstream is basically uh, uh, all the applications that are using uh, space data. It's uh, mostly what uh, what is called downstream. Uh, and upstream is everything which is linked to the launchers uh, and the satellites basically so everything which is uh, above let's say <laughs> our at is upstream now uh this is one way to uh yeah to to make the the distinction uh another way is yes the the type of uh, of data uh, which is used so uh, you mentioned Earth observation data uh, that's a big field, so all the satellites that uh, observe the Earth uh, and provide uh, added value uh, data, uh, which can be uh, temperature, uh, which can be, uh, yes, uh, the lens, etc. So there are a lot of data that uh, can be, uh, uh, yeah, uh, let's say somehow captured by these satellites and uh, and... There are a lot of applications, which is for agriculture, for maritime, for uh, logistics, etc. Then there is uh, everything which is linked to telecommunication, and it's probably uh, uh, the, the the oldest one, you know, because uh, we the first satellites have always been for television and for telecommunications, and there are still a lot of uh, of uh, satellites which are used just for television, because if if in our countries we have television over cable but in many many countries it's still on the only way to get uh, tv is uh, is uh, thanks to satellite so and a lot of satellite companies and and i have worked uh, with uh, with some of them uh yeah they they became uh, very rich and very powerful thanks to that you know uh, because basically when you launch uh, a satellite you can have uh, uh, 30 uh transponders and uh, and and yeah for one tv channel yes, you have to use one transporter sometimes more so. so it can be a very luc- it was a lucrative business it's much less thanks uh, because of uh, tv over uh, internet of course and the uh, netflix and all uh, amazon prime etc uh, makes uh, things much more complicated of course for uh, the satellite operators. Um, and then, uh, yeah, then you have, of course, uh, uh, satellites which are, uh, let's say, for scientific missions, etc. Uh, these are a bit more, let's say, exotic. Uh, regarding, uh, regarding let's say, uh, the other application in space, you have everything which is linked to... Uh, in orbit, let's say, servicing, in orbit uh, maintenance, in orbit uh, manufacturing. Uh, this is a very growing field uh, that most, let's say, investors consider that this is something uh, where uh, we should invest much more uh, because it's going to grow more and more. Uh, even if the cost of, the, of launching satellites has decreased a lot, and mostly thanks to SpaceX, it's still expensive, so uh, if you have an ability to manufacture in space, uh, it's it can be huge savings. Uh, and after that, of course, when you when you manufacture, let's say, around the Earth, etc., you can imagine you can manufacture uh, elsewhere. And this is mostly uh, all the companies that are going to, to do the space exploration, and for space exploration, you need uh, robots, uh, you need... Uh, uh, to manufacture uh, in situ so it's all what what is called in situ resource utilization ISRU uh, for example mana electric uh, is active in ISRU to produce metals to produce oxygen to produce yeah a lot of different things uh, there are also companies like made in space that uh, that uh, produce uh, th- that have 3d printers inside the international space station So, yeah, I think these are really the the future of space. And, of course, you have then uh, uh, companies that are active in transportation. SpaceX clearly, uh, they position themselves as a transportation company. Uh, Today, they are mostly doing it uh, between uh, Earth and, uh, let's say, orbit around the Earth. But their purpose is clearly to go to the moon and then to go to Mars, Mm etc., and to become a transportation company. So yeah, I would say these are a bit uh, the different categories of, uh, of, uh, of space uh, space companies somehow. Yeah, it's
1: interesting that you said, and it's something it just try helps me transition into what I'm hoping to talk about next is right now there are so many working groups and a specific working group in uh, by Moon Village Association on lunar commerce and economics, and it clusters the lunar market. And industries that need to build something from scratch, that uh, in-situ resource extraction and construction that you're talking about, that Mana Electric is, is also associated with. It seems like in, it's, a, it's a very similar approach to investing in a developing, early developing country. Put money in, There's uh, there's opportunity in every category, so there's something for everyone. Transportation, infrastructure... Telecom, navigation, power—everything that you talk about, there's something there. So, based on your knowledge and uh, you know, you know, your experience, what are the first things to do in which order? You know, in other words, what are the early segments of the market that need to grow? Uh, that investors, very specifically, need to look out for, need to invest in, and then how does how does the chain begin actually? Yeah, I think
0: it it really depends from one investor to the other. I mean, uh, I know some inv- some space investors that they only invest in downstream applications, so they want just to to invest in uh, yeah applications uh, uh, like I mentioned for uh, logistics, for maritime, for uh, agriculture, etc. Uh, because there is a a very let's uh, a near term let's say market, of course. Uh, so they see uh, they see uh, potential uh, revenues at uh, let's say reasonable horizon horizon, which is not the case with uh, let's say more futuristic projects. How I see it from my perspective is that yeah it depends if you are, let's say in passion to, to get back somehow your money uh, and also how much you can risk about your money uh but if really you are a, a true space enthusiast and you want really to contribute to building uh the new uh the future of humanity and the future of space then in my opinion yeah uh, investors should invest more into uh, in space manufacturing and into the space exploration because if tomorrow we want to have uh, people that uh, live work enjoy, let's say, uh, their everyday life into space, we need to build the infrastructure. So for me, the big challenge of the 21st century is to build a space infrastructure. Uh, I think as, as Jeff Bezos uh, mentioned when he presented uh, uh, Blue Moon, is uh, that uh, we need to build the highway somehow uh, for space. And it's it's basically what we need to do. Uh, so this will pass through for, uh yeah big uh, uh big landers uh, uh big uh, big rockets of course and then you need to build also uh, probably a moon base uh tomorrow maybe a, a base on mars etc uh in many decades but yes i think if if at some point we want people to as I said, to 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 live, to work, uh, and to just uh, have fun into space, we need to build this infrastructure.
1: So you think people should be selling shovels instead of instead of digging gold at this point? <laughs> yeah, but it's a bit the
0: the chicken and egg story, of course, uh, because uh, <clears throat> I mean, for if if you look, for example, at the moon today. Uh, there are many companies that are active, uh, let's say, on the moon. Uh, there are some uh, just uh, working on landers, some working on rovers, uh, some working on uh, some processes. For example, like uh, Mana Electric, uh, more processes to use the regolith uh, to manufacture, let's say, uh, uh, let's say, yeah, uh, components that will, could be used uh, on the moon. But, yeah, at some point, let's uh, and what they want today, I think the first mission, uh, uh, if you take a company like Ispace that I know a bit, uh, which is also based in Luxembourg, uh, they are working on a on a rover that will, let's say uh, dig uh, the surface of the moon to to take uh, water. Uh, Why water? Because the water can be transformed into a fuel. And I think it's it's the first way to prove that there can be some start of a a lunar economy. Uh, Because at some point, uh, the public uh, agencies can fund partially, but they will not be able to fund indefinitely. So they... All these, let's say, uh, space enthusiasts and space pioneers, they need to to show. And if you, if I take your analogy, that there is some gold under the surface of the moon, and and if they show that there is some gold, then they can probably attract uh, more, let's say, people uh, that will uh, like in the gold rush. You know, uh, some show that they were gold, so then we. They start constructing uh, cities around the, the gold mines, etc. Uh, and yeah, and then you you start to have an economy, etc. And I think it's a bit what, what could happen on the moon because there is really a gold, I think, uh, which is probably water initially and then some other metals. Uh, but we need first to extract and to demonstrate that there is really the opportunity to use it uh, so unless this
1: happen, I think, yeah, probably the rest will not follow. One of the things that we're looking at is the problem that a lot of VCs, business angels uh, encounter is this problem of a fast growing niche um, in, in a non-obvious way. So, you know, the niche market automatically becomes bigger uh, just because more people are willing to solve the same problem. And and it grows by a certain percentage. And what we have found is that it's 20% a year that it's growing at that rate because what we're trying to figure out here is that it it becomes harder for companies to scale, uh, to be able to address the, the total addressable market, And the services that they're selling become too saturated. So what are some of the scaling drivers, do you think, as a business angel that are able to have the similar transport capabilities and the frequency of resources and the humans to orbit and beyond, as well as building in space manufacturing, which needs raw materials, as you stated in your previous comment? Yeah, so how, how companies can scale, what are some of the factors of scaling um, that business angels are, are, are reviewing, are looking at, uh, VCs are looking at. Because each investment thesis, as you said in the beginning, is that each individual's uh, investment thesis or each company's investment thesis is dependent and it's a variable of their approach and what they're looking for, how much risk is attached to that. So very curious to understand your opinion as to are there any factors that are sort of transient throughout the entire value chain, or do you think that it's it it moves?
0: Yeah, uh, I think in terms of scaling, there are some uh, internal factors and external factors. So of course, external factors. Are you uh, um, are you on the uh, on a market uh, which potentially is very big, uh, where maybe uh, there are little uh, entry barriers, etc. And so, basically, you can scale because you have a strong, let's say, business model. I think this is a general comment which is valid for all companies, which are space or non-space. But clearly, when when you look at space, uh, the downstream uh, companies uh, have, of course, generally, uh, a much bigger, f- uh, facility to scale than companies that, uh, yeah, are going to make deep exploration, etc. because, uh, because also of the amount of funding that are required. You know, if you, if, if you are a company building, uh, a, a moon base, for example, or moon habitat, yeah, you need first to go uh, on the moon and to build, etc. So it costs a lot uh, of money. So the scaling uh, ability is, of course, much less than if you sell uh, uh, data uh, for uh, the maritime uh, sector or the aviation sector, like Spire, for example. So I think that's the the first parameter. I think it's it's mostly what are the the external factors. The, the, The internal factors are more linked to the, yeah, to the organization itself. And as an investor, I think it's also very important to look at this. Uh, what are the, what is the team? Is the team well organized? Uh, are the, the, the responsibilities among the team clearly defined? Is, is there a clear alignment? Uh, is there enough, let's say, uh, execution within the team etc I think this is of course very important also in terms of scaling because some com- some, uh, some founders uh, are very good uh, let's say initially to create the company and to uh, to build let's say uh, the early company when when the companies start to be uh, bigger and bigger, Uh, For some founders, it becomes another story and they are not just prepared for that. Uh, Some are smart enough to to get uh, people that have this experience to manage uh, much bigger companies and they put them on board. Uh, Some founders, they don't want to share somehow their power. And for me, that's uh, that's a mistake. Uh, And so they try to do it by themselves. But... They just have don't they? just don't have the experience to do it. Uh, you know, running a company of uh, five or running a company of two hundred, it's something which is completely different.
1: Being in the position of leadership that you're in now, what is what 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 do you typically advise these companies that that you see on a on on a month to month basis or the ones that you have been able to mentor in the past? What is your what is the advice that you give to especially space founders in this case cuz you know a lot of space founders are very altruistic uh, they have big ambitions uh with uh, with little roadmaps sometimes
0: yeah uh, i agree uh, i think the first thing uh, that i give as an advice is to have a, uh, to have a long-term vision and, and and they should have a strong purpose so they should know exactly why they do this okay uh i think uh, what they want to create what they want to impact and i think one of one of the first thing to do is to have a master plan and i always like uh, people that have uh, a master plan what i call by a master plan is that they know okay this is what i'm going to do this is how i see the company so in 5 years i will be uh, this size of company I will have raised so much. Uh, this is where I want, what I want to achieve by then, etc. You know, uh, and they have the clear milestone in mind. You know, uh, for example, in my case with Man Electric, when I met uh, the the founder uh, of uh, the company, uh, Jos van Oscott, uh, he was pretty young, but he qu- was quite mature, and immediately he presented me the master plan. And I like it very much because it was super clear. And to be honest, we are just following the master plan today. Uh, So a bit like, you know, when Elon Musk, uh, um, I mean, um, presented the Tesla master plan, it was the same. Uh, Let's start with the Roadster. Then we do uh, just to demonstrate that it works. Then uh, with Model S, uh, we will, uh, we will address uh, already a larger market, but which is still premium market. And then uh, with the Model 3, I will, let's say, go into the mass market, you know? And I think what probably most of uh, space founders are missing is such kind of approach. Uh, most of them, they come from a technical background. Uh so they yeah they they are super super uh smart uh, and they know the technology they want to build but they have no idea how they are going to commercialize it. Uh they don't have uh a clear view of uh how they are going to go there and what will be the, the different as I, I say the milestone, the different steps they will have to to take. So my advice is that they should have around them people that are probably, uh, experienced and that can help them, uh, to somehow materialize, uh, their vision uh, and from just an idea to materialize it into yeah, some breakthrough venture. I think that's, that's probably, uh, what, uh, what they need to, uh, to, to see and to approach it is it's not a one man show or even a, a s- several men show. I think it's really to build a team uh, and in the team you must have different uh, div- uh, diversity
1: of uh, people and background. Space industry itself and space companies are looking for a long technology roadmaps because of the complexity and the amount of hardware that is involved. Should these companies be looking at whether they have somebody on their team that has an MBA? Should they go and do an MBA and then start? Should they should they buy the products from the value chain? Should they make their products? You know what are your what are your thoughts on that? I think MBA is is of course uh, interesting studies.
0: Uh, I don't think that it's mandatory to have MBA. Uh, as I always say to the startup, you know the. The basic of a business have not changed since the early age of humanity. You know, what is a business is that uh, you uh, you provide something which has value to some people because uh, you are just filling a gap. Uh, they they need something, uh, and if you can provide what uh, what they need, uh, you just you will just sell to them. You know. And, of course, in order to sell it, uh, you need, of course, to eventually produce uh, your product or your service. So you have some costs which are associated to that. That's the basic of the business and they have not changed. And so coming back, let's say, to the first principles, which I think is a a red line uh, among, let's say, uh, this podcast. I think this is probably, yes, the, 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 the first principles of the business, you know. So what what is the value that uh, you want to provide and uh, and this is valid for any business so if you look at, at space and and again if we go back for example for the moon what is the value that uh, that uh, has been has to be provided and what are the potential customers and most of uh, of people active in the space industry, they don't think enough, in my opinion, in terms of uh, the customer expectations. So if, if you look, for example, at uh, uh, Alan Christensen' work, you know, with uh, the value proposition canvas, etc., the jobs to be done, and I think it's a great model, you know. Uh, he, he, he starts from the principle that uh, every customer, they, they need to fill jobs. So they have jobs that wants to be done, and, and, and today they have some, uh, some pains to, to get these jobs done. And they have also gains that they expect. So I think every entrepreneur, in my opinion, should approach their idea from that perspective and see, okay, I have this target customer. They have these jobs to be done and they have some pains, some gains. So how I can create some pain relievers? How I can create some gain creators? And from there, what is my value proposition? Once you have your value proposition, it's just a matter to see how to make a business out of there to see if, if you can create some viable business and some scalable business. And, and that's, that's uh, in my opinion, the process that every entrepreneur should follow. Wow. Uh, but not, okay, I have a great idea. I can build a great product. Okay. But. Is there customers for that product or technology? Sometimes there they are customers, but the problem, and it's something that uh, most entrepreneurs that I meet are forgetting, is a question of timing. Is it the right time today for this? Uh, and this this has been uh, well modelled by the the Moore's what is the Moore's curve? You know that there is uh, the early pioneers. Then there is the early adopters, uh, the early majority, etc. And sometimes you are just too early for the market. So if you again, if I look at the moon, today is it the right time? Is there companies that? Yes, there are also a few companies that have an interest. Uh, I mean, some big corporate that have some interest, probably, uh, but they don't want to make the first step. So they want some others to take the first step when it will be demonstrated they will they will uh, let's say probably buy so on the Moore's curve they are more maybe in the early majority but they are clearly not the 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 pioneers or early adopters uh, and today on the moon the pioneers and early adopters are crazy uh, entrepreneurs uh like iSpace, Mana Electric, etc. and Agencies like NASA with Artemis program, like ESA, etc. These are really today the the pioneers and early adopters, because the the other ones uh, they are just not ready today.
1: So here is a question: I mean, you talk about pioneers, but these pioneers need a level of funds in order to continue support um, the vision that they have that they're possessing. So in that case, typical time frame that we've noted is between 8 to 10 years in between when the funds come in and when the product is actually out there in the market actually doing something. There is a gap that that we have found that the number of grants and and government funding that goes into a lot of these pioneer-focused missions is significantly higher than the number of VC and private funding. So how how can VCs and business angels address this gap? You know, what are some of the, what what kind of technologies in the space field, in the space startup uh, need to exist in order for this gap to sort of minimize itself?
0: Yeah, great, great question. Um, I think it's complicated for investors today, for sure. Because as you mentioned, probably uh, if we if we look at uh, upstream and uh, space exploration, yeah, we are talking probably like you mentioned between 8, 10 years, if not more. So for most of the VCs, it's very complicated. And simply, and for the audience to understand, why? Because uh, the VCs, uh, it's a very particular, let's say, model, you know. Generally, they, they raise... Uh, what what is a VC is a venture capitalist? How they work is that they raise funds from limited partners, so it's uh, institutional, let's say, uh, uh, investors that invest into a fund that is, uh, let's say, uh, created by this uh, venture capitalist and what and managed but by, by what is called the general partners of the fund. So they raise money, and when the the, the The money is raised. Generally, they invest during three to four years. And then they, they have a a duration generally of the fund, which is, yeah, some, something around 10 years. So for them, they need to bring, let's say, of course, some, uh, some results to the limited partners within that period of time. And Mostly, why? Because of course they need to 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 give some return to their investors, uh, but also for most of them, if they want to raise another fund, they need to show some good results. Otherwise, they are they are seen as a bad, let's say, VCs, and and they will not be able to to show a good track record, and they will not be able to raise another fund. So, for all these reasons, they are their period where is where they are expecting returns is pretty limited. And it's true that for them, uh, space exploration is very, very difficult for them. So one way to l- mitigate this is to look at uh, space companies that are doing space exploration, but that they have somehow... Uh, where their technology somehow can be used also on Earth. Uh, so when you have a kind of hybrid or dual model where you you pursue this long-term vision on space, but you have at a reasonable time frame uh, some rough news that you can generate thanks to the technology you are building, but for example on Earth or uh, on space, but for example uh, in, uh, let's say, a low orbit, etc., then, uh, then you have, uh, you have a more, let's say, attractive business model. If I look, for example, I mentioned made in space, made in space is already able to generate revenues from their 3D printers into the International Space Station while they are working on a, a more long-term, let's say, uh, applications uh, for in-space manufacturing, for example. So, uh, this is, I think, the, the way for, uh, for space entrepreneurs to be able to get funds is when they can show that uh, even if they pursue their long-term vision, uh, they, can, uh, they can bring some revenues at short term. And let me give you a, a very uh, crying example is SpaceX. Uh, It's exactly what Elon Musk is doing because, you know, Elon Musk, he invested uh, money himself, but he also raised a lot of money. And how he convinced uh, investors is that his business model is uh, a very profitable business uh, by uh, just uh, sending a lot of satellites today in uh, low orbit around the Earth. But his dream is, of course, to go on Mars and to have these uh, big launchers, etc. So, I think it's exactly the model to be to be followed by entrepreneurs. While you pursue your long-term vision, you have a, a business model first that can be uh, profitable at a reasonable time frame. I think mean, it's the only way to convince investors. Otherwise, if, you, if your business model is exclusively on the long-term vision, I think it's very
1: complicated. Elon Musk contradicting everything that the VCs stand for. They're looking for revenue, they're looking for power, they're looking for 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 something that meets that criteria of their investment thesis. Now, do you think that they by day, I mean the billionaires are the outliers here? Is that you know the larger they are changing the way that the market investments are made?
0: no i think the, the only difference is that uh of course when you are a billionaire you, you you can invest a big portion of your funds into uh into the into your companies so of course this somehow uh, gives some uh, how to say uh, some uh, uh, some guarantee or some uh, yeah it, it reduce somehow the the risk for the investor because and and this has always been you know in in any business uh, when you are an entrepreneur if you invest funds yourself in your business an investor will have more willingness to invest into your business because you are risking your own money so it showed that you are really believing in your business Uh, if you are a funders and you and you ask i don't know uh 10 million for example to uh to a VC, but you you don't invest. You invest just uh, zero or, <laughs> or one thousand. I mean, yeah. If I'm an investor, okay, I give you ten million. You just invest one million, one thousand. Uh, so you, you don't really don't want to take risk. Well, of course, maybe they don't have the money to invest. And most uh, young entrepreneurs they don't have money. They've they have their energy. They have, they have a, a lot of, uh, ambition. They, and, and so this is really what they bring into, into the venture, of course. Uh, but yeah, I can, um, I think in, in the case of these billionaires, the fact that, of course, uh, one can invest, uh, like Musk, I think he invested into SpaceX 100 million or something like this. Of course, give, yeah investors either they believe he is crazy or he he knows what he is going to do and and he believes strongly in what he is going to do so i think that's the the main difference
1: we we looked at before uh, during our prep we looked at several models and we looked at uh, the capital asset price model um and and how the the risk variables of an investment are sort of considered in overall You know, several, several ways. Space is hard. We know this. And other variables need to be considered when you're thinking about the influence that is incorporated within within space. Uh, The transportation, the risk of failure uh, is is, is successfully high. I mean, we can say that because of the number of experienced missions that, that have been seen. 80%, uh, according to 2020 Q4 Space Investment Quarterly Space Capital, 80% of investments in the last 10 years went to space applications. And mainly, most of them have been downstream, you know, EO, GNSS, telecom, which I'm sure you know. How do space investors handle the, the risk that comes alongside space being hard? And what are the fundamental uncertainties associated with investing in space?
0: Yeah, I like this question because it's uh, it's a question that is uh, often, let's say, uh, debated, let's say, in two panels, etc. And um, I think, first of all, uh, probably space is one of the industries where risk is Best managed, I would say. Why? Because when you want to launch something in space, you know, uh, you need to be sure that it's going to work. So most of the the space engineering is is used to manage, let's say, risk and to assess risk. So when you look at uh, most of engineering studies around space projects, there are risk assessments, etc. All the risks are well. Uh, define uh, with mitigation uh, uh, solutions, etc. So, uh, and that's probably the only industry where you do this, maybe with some, uh, let's say, uh, maybe in the, the chemicals or probably health industry too, probably. Uh, but in the software industry, I'm not sure that there is uh, such kind of risk assessment, for right. example. So in that respect, I think uh, uh, we can expect from the companies themselves that they all already uh, manage quite well the risk. Now, from an investor perspective, my approach uh, is uh, the one, uh, and it's not coming from me. It's coming from uh, Richard Branson. Uh, I heard first time from him, and I take his this as the first principle of investing is what he calls the asymmetry of risk. What does it mean by this is that what is my downside and what is my upside? And always in during an investment, try to minimize the downside and maximizing the upside. And the typical example that Richard Branson gives is when he, he launched uh, Virgin Atlantic uh he had with Boeing uh buy back provision uh a sales back provision for the the aircrafts. So basically if something wrong would happen uh Boeing would buy back let's say the aircrafts and so he had not uh huge capex let's say that he could not let's say um uh, sell back and and he would go basically bankrupt you know so i think is is what most investors particularly in the space should look for is what is my the downside of this venture but what is the upside and uh, and it's the role of the entrepreneur to show that the downside has been uh, somehow minimized and one way to minimize the downside is probably thanks uh, public programs, uh, for example, to debug and to de-risk all the technology. So if they receive some public funding to de-risk the technology to a certain what is called the TRL, so technology readiness level, which is high enough, so they have really minimized the the risk that the technology would not work. But the upside, if it works, can be really huge. Because maybe in some cases there are just no limit, so I think it's all. It should be approached uh, in any kind of investment, but particularly in terms of space investments, is this uh, asymmetry of risk?
1: And that's interesting because um, the the risk of failure has a lot of implication on a VC's portfolio their prospective returns obviously you're you're bound to see that only one or two companies in in portfolio have a have a success rate of 10 to the power of n doubling or tripling any type of asset funds uh, that are managed and then and then you 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 create like a like a hierarchical structure is that something that that is typically done in the industry. That you know, the two are uh, starting from bottom up. Two or three that are absolutely going to fail. One or two that are mid level that are going to be successful. And then you have a beautiful primer, a unicorn company that I'm going to I'm going to make all my money back with. Yeah, I mean, for VCs, clearly, uh, business
0: angel probably. Uh think differently, but for most of the VCs and even in the space industry, uh, they they reason with what is called the power law of uh, venture capital, you know. So there is uh, indeed uh, a very few companies that will give uh, very high returns, uh, 5X, 10X, etc. cetera. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so with these companies, of course, uh, they can somehow... Uh, uh, recover let's say the the investments for all the companies that either will just uh, go bankrupts and just will fail some that probably uh, will uh, return uh, only the money that has been invested and yes a very few uh, will be uh, unicorns and will uh, will return a lot uh, and and basically uh, is how it works uh, for most of the funds uh, so the, the, it's it's a very uh, tough business, you know, to be a VC because you need to really to do uh, a few investments and to select very carefully the companies, hoping that one of them uh, that you invest per year, because it depends, but some funds, they invest between uh, just two uh, to five, some uh, maybe sometimes uh, up to 10 companies per year. And they have really to select uh, the few ones that they believe can uh, re- give this uh, multiple, let's say, uh, order of magnitude return. Uh, and, and you know, most of the venture capitalists they receive probably uh, two thousand, if not more, let's say, uh, projects on the table, and they have to select uh, in one year, and they have to select uh, five to ten that have this capacity probably to uh, to return a lot. So. It's it's a very difficult business, uh, and, and and yeah, you you need to look at uh, what I call let's say the the four T. The first one is the technology. Is there a great technology or great idea, etc., that solve a real problem? Then the 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 other T is the is attraction. Uh, is there a potential market behind which is big enough? Uh, we already discussed about this. Then the team is—is is the team able to 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 do it and to execute uh, flawlessly uh, the plan? And the final T is the the time to market. Is it the right time for this? Uh, will will they be able to uh, to to get uh, into revenues uh, quick, fast enough, or will it be too long? Um, I think these are the quick the key questions that uh, any investor should look for uh, before investing. Yes.
1: It's interesting that you mentioned the differentiation factors between VCs and business angels. You know, you're you're a chairman of Evan Space. Now, that is a very very different model than a typical VC because it's encompassing. How are those risk variables different between uh, business angels and, and, uh, you know, obviously the, the VCs you've already mentioned. What do some of the e, 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 business angels sort of preach and, and, and follow? Yeah. The, the business angel, basically the,
0: the main difference. So a VC invests money, invests not this money or very, very small fraction of his money that he has anyway to invest in the fund, but basically they invest money from uh, from other investors. The big difference is that a business angel invests is one money. So typical business angels are either former entrepreneurs or former executives. Uh, yeah, sometimes it can be uh, money which 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 comes uh, from uh, from family uh, wealth, etc. But so basically then that's their own money. So that's the big difference. And uh, they can have motivations which are not purely financial because some business angels, yeah, they they want to give back uh, somehow uh, because, for example, they were entrepreneurs themselves, so they want to give back and to help some entrepreneurs. Some, they want to be involved uh, because maybe they, they had a successful career and now they want to help maybe young entrepreneurs and to to be to invest a bit of money, but also to be involved, giving advices, etc. Uh, and uh, yeah, or some is just also to have some occupation because yeah, uh, maybe uh, they they had successful exit, they are now wealthy, and uh, but they they want to stay to keep uh, an active life, etc. So. The motivations are very different from VCs Uh, and and business angels generally, of course, invest much smaller tickets. So they intervene at a very early stage, generally. Now, it depends. Some some business angels, uh, they want to exit uh, quickly uh, to have a reasonable return so they can invest into a new company and some business angels are more patient, and they will be able to wait until uh, it succeeds. Of course, one big issue of uh, business angels is that uh, since their resources are limited, it's that over time they, they may be diluted. So they basically, uh, because other investors invest somehow uh, for the money they have, uh, they have uh, proportionally, let's say less of the company. So over time they have less, but if they are patient enough and if hopefully they can help uh, the, the the funding team, and if it's successful, sometimes it can lead, let's say, to a very successful exit. So for them, it's a it's a good investment uh, anyway. And but I think uh, in the case of business angels, if really you want to expect to have a, some good results. You need to invest probably uh, in enough companies. Uh, if you invest just in a few companies, again because of this power law, uh, which is applicable probably to any investments, uh, there will be only uh, very few that uh, will uh, will return enough. So if you invest in uh, in less than ten companies, probably it's uh, it's too small. So probably uh, they should invest. Minimum 10 and probably much, much more.
1: Here's a question that is a, that's a more of a personal question for you. Do you think it's better to become a business angel than to become a limited partner at a VC or is that person to person? I
0: think uh, my advice to uh, any prospective investor, at least if they have the capacity to do it, would be probably to do both. Uh, maybe to have, uh, to be a limited partner in a fund, and for some funds, it starts with a reasonable, let's say, uh, uh, let's say, uh, initial investment. So at least you can benefit from professional, let's say, investors that are going to diversify and to give you a diver- diversified portfolio anyway. And then maybe for a few selected companies, you can invest directly. And in my opinion, is probably the best strategy as a business angel, unless you are very experienced unless you, uh, and, and you do everything by yourself. It, but you, you need also to have the time to do it because it's not only to, uh, to put money. And then, I mean, if you want really to, to get some success as a business angel, you need to be involved. So to spend some time with the companies, etc., uh, maybe to help them with your network uh, give them some invi- advice for example if they are they are let's say uh, they are missing some competencies in finance and you are good in finance maybe you can help them in that respect uh, or maybe some uh, business angels they help for example in the recruitment because maybe uh, they were used to do this So maybe sometimes they they look at some candidates etc so um so, uh, business angels should not underestimate the time to be spent. Uh, but if they they don't have time and they are only passive, then the the option of just investing into a fund as a limited partner is probably uh, a good way to uh, to limit the risk. Uh, because if they go with some uh, uh, some VCs that have some reputation and track record. Probably they can limit uh, the risk of their investment and get a reasonable
1: return. So we're talking about first principles, and we've discussed so many different risk variables that are associated with companies, but also risk variables that are associated with becoming a BA or uh, a limited partner, at a VC. Do you think it's better to have a, a broad for portfolio for 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 a um, for a general investor? You know, meaning invest. Horizontally across multiple verticals within the same industry, or you think there should be more of a a diverse or a vertical focus? Invest in big data. Invest in mining. Increase your exposure. So, what lesson from a from a historical context can we draw from? And you know, this is something that that I'm very curious about because it's not the first time that we're we're endeavoring into. Exploring undiscovered land and trying to make it our own. If you can imagine uh, 150 years ago, similar approaches were happening as things were changing, as the landscape was evolving.
0: Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great question, uh, too. Um, uh, I mean, again, there are some uh, first principles to here. Uh, first of all, invest in what you know, uh, Or if you don't know, try to learn about. Um, And today, you know, it's really possible to learn about anything, Uh, but try to uh, first uh, understand. So for example, personally, I invested in AI, but uh, in an AI company, but it's something that I learned because I was not an AI specialist. So I took an online course at MIT about AI, just to, to understand and to also understand what the guys were telling me, because sometimes you, there are some people, oh, I, I'm doing uh, uh, AI, okay, what is it exactly, okay, it's machine learning, but what are you exactly doing, etc. You need to be able to ask the right questions, etc. And to challenge, let's say, the entrepreneurs, because, you know, let's be honest, some are just bullshitting, you know, and, uh, they, they just tell you nice stories, but there are nothing behind. So, uh, as an investor, you must be careful because there is so uh, some form of uh, scams, you know, somehow that some people, they just want to take the money, but there is nothing behind. And we have seen this a lot with, uh, with cryptos, et cetera, and with the ICOs, et cetera. Uh, some people, they, they had very nice stories, but there was just zero behind. So I think as an investor, you must be, you must be careful and learn. So first invest in is in what you know. And if you don't know, uh, just learn. Uh, I think to have a diversified portfolio for me is mandatory for sure. And across an industry, but across multiple industries, if you can. Uh, so I know some business angels that invest only in space, uh, but I do think that as an investor, uh, yeah, you should invest in space, maybe in AI and maybe uh, in health and other technologies, etc. Uh, also, another, let's say, uh, first principle of investing is at some period, just rebalance your portfolio, uh, like, uh, you know, uh, stock investors are doing. So that at some point, Maybe you need to get uh, some exit uh, to and and with the money to reinvest uh, maybe in some other company in some companies where you already invested, um, or to yeah or to invest in new companies etc. But at some point it's all it's good to rebalance. Uh, yeah, so I think these are probably as yes, the the first thing that come to my mind is. Um, uh, and also, maybe one more thing is that don't invest if you if you have any doubt. If there is your gut feeling which is telling you uh, I'm not sure, etc. Don't invest. Uh, I think the investment decision should be really when all the lights are green. But if there is something which is orange. Uh, Uh, I would not recommend to invest. That's,
1: it's not a good sign. So, yeah. Investment in commerce is not necessarily the most scientific approach to this. There's no, there might not be any deep science or formulas that are related to how you invest. And right now you mentioned the aspect of doubt and emotional interaction and emotional EQ per se have a balance of IQ and EQ. I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on how can a person increase their chances of finding that outlier? Is it through investing and spreading that risk or is it uh, the alternative, which is, uh, in this case, uh, invest in what you know, like you said, and um, see where opportunities opportunity comes to exit?
0: Yeah, of course, I think investing, of course, is not, uh, in my opinion, considered as a scientific, let's say, field uh, of study. Uh, now there are some rationales, of course. You know, you 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 can look at uh, the financials, calculate, let's say, uh, the valuation, and there are some, uh, let's say, mathematical models for that, like uh, discounted cash flows, etc. So. I would say there there is some science and some mathematics let's say behind for sure but ultimately yeah most investors probably they make their decision on a series of uh, factors and parameters that I mentioned before like uh, the team the technology the market uh, the time to market etc so and then it's a question of gut feeling uh, and basically, how much confidence they have into uh, the entrepreneurial team—that's that's most of the time what motivates them. Uh, maybe they also see that this is the kind of business that can really be big enough, etc. So yeah, there are a lot of factors. So it's I think it's always not easy. Now, uh, should an investor invest, let's say, a lot or? Or be more picky. I think that it's better to be picky, and to really study before each investment, than to just uh, spread the money everywhere, etc. I I would not recommend this approach. I think for me, it's best. It's best to study, uh, and you know, like uh, Warren Buffett. Uh, Uh, Lesson, you know, that he he is sometimes just studying uh, during one year to do just one investment. Why not? I think it makes sense at some point, Uh, unless someone is really in a hurry to deploy the funds. Uh, But otherwise, uh, I would recommend to take time to to get the right opportunity and, and to really have confidence in the funding team, in the business model, in the market and and yeah and when you have all the green lines then at some point you have to go if you can if you can have a good deal Uh, but it's probably not uh, a business where uh, let's say um, uh, you can take a quick decision uh, based just on uh, instant yeah instinct uh, instinctive, let's say decisions, etc. I think it's something where you you need to really wait uh, all the parameters, etc and see okay, is it really something that
1: is speaking to me? Uh, do I have confidence enough? The first IPO started just last year with Virgin Galactic and Astra and everyone is waiting for Planet and SpaceX to join them. But there's now a new shortened path that has been created, and exits are becoming more and more, you know, they're popping up like flies everywhere. What are kind of empty company containers full of money waiting to buy others who are not listed? You know, I'm very curious, how would you interpret this trend of, the lack of maturity in technology and actual readiness levels and the way that these SPACs are now being concluded and being funded?
0: I would say uh, from time to time, you know, there are always uh, new uh, uh, instruments, let's say, uh, that appear uh, like this and creates the the hype. Uh, I mentioned earlier uh, the, the ICOs. If you remember... Uh, it was two years ago, something like this, that there was this hype with ICOs and everyone wanted to make an ICO. Uh, so um, so raise uh, tokens and and to finance two tokens. And I think a lot of people did it, a lot of money with that. <laughs> and a lot of people uh, just uh, lost a lot of money with that. Uh, SPACs, uh, yeah, I will not say that it's the same, but it's uh, a new tool for sure. Uh, I think that the companies that, uh, if we look at uh, Virgin Galactic, I think they have something concrete. So it's not like uh, in the case of ICOs where there were a lot of uh, uh, scam companies, of course, nothing behind. Uh, because yeah, you know, of course, in the digital world and uh, and the cryptos. Uh, uh, you can say whatever you want, of course. It's difficult to, to judge if there is uh, something concrete behind. I think here in the space, there is something else. And, and if you look at the Virgin Galactic, uh, uh, they have really something uh, which, uh, which is concrete. If you look at Spire that announced recently a SPAC, they have also something concrete. Uh, they, they have a real business. I know the founder. He is a very serious guy, etc. Uh, if you look at Rocket Lab, it's the same. So I think there is something behind. So that's uh, that's for sure. Now, the question mark might be around the valuations. I mean, uh, but, you know, valuation is always a tough topic, <laughs> Uh, between the, the investors and, uh, and the founders. Uh, so here how the valuation has been, let's say, um, uh, evaluated. I don't know exactly, to be honest. Uh, is it, uh, realistic? Is it not? I, I don't know, uh, but I guess that it's, it's based on some rationals, probably. And, uh, yeah, so, uh, Uh, Again, when you, when you buy, let's say, uh, shares of uh, these packs, uh, uh, you need just to make your due diligence and uh, be confident into the company and, uh, and hopefully that, uh, yes, it will, uh, it
1: will be worth the valuation that it's announced. You know, it's very interesting. I mean, uh, you said something that I want to point out is that in the in the past, the spacs are old. We know this. Spacs are old. They've been they've, they've existed since the eighties, and there have been spac waves throughout throughout the throughout the decades. But the but the most recent spac wave brought up something very interesting: is the number of investors that are within these spacs that are celebrities, the amount of money that is that is being. to to get these SPACs to where they are. There's no real decent rationale as to why that is happening. You know, as a business angel, I'm sure you're like, you know, this is a big question mark as to why these SPACs are even investing in companies that are not there yet. Why do you think that that might be? Do you think this is just a trend just like previously? Or do you think it's gonna
0: disappear yeah i think it's a good question but uh the future will will see if it's just a trend etc uh i I think from time to time we we have such kind of trends uh uh I, i do my feeling is that uh Uh, Probably uh, after that, we will, we will come back to uh, the reality. And the reality for most of space companies is, uh, there has been, of course, a few IPOs, but the the, most of uh, the exit for most of space companies is truth acquisition. And I do believe that there will be more and more consolidation in the space field. Um, Because about everything that we discuss, it costs a lot of money to go to space, etc. So, um, so in my opinion, the consolidation will just continue. Um, and what might be different is that you know, before there has been this huge uh, uh, consolidation uh, with Airbus, uh, Thales, you know, all these big players, etc. The same in the US. Maybe we will see such kind of consolidation among uh, smaller players. So maybe uh, some new space players that somehow are complementary will just merge or join their forces in order to to be stronger or uh, because they 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 maybe are at different levels on the value chain. and so together they can have a more comprehensive uh, offer for potential customers. I, I do think that this will be probably uh, the, the future of the space industry. Uh, and yes, the SPACs, uh, yeah, I don't know. Let's see. Uh, but personally, I don't see a long future for that. Uh, but
1: that's and, and that's a good point that you make because it kind of brings up this 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 idea that because a lot of these facts are happening in 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 states, what do you think could be the next hot spot for the next wave of space startups? You know, where do you think that could be? Do you think that's where where the funding is? I'm I'm trying to think about people moved to Silicon Valley because there was a large trend. Where is the next Rocket Valley or or Satellite Valley? Uh, you know, where, where should an investor look? Where should a founder go? Uh, Luxembourg, Germany, you know, going to the West Coast, but uh, going to the East, perhaps. China. Um, what are your thoughts on that?
0: I think U.S. Uh, will remain a very strong country because it has always been uh, very active in two space, and there is a lot of money. Uh, which is uh, invested also by NASA, etc., to support the space companies in the U.S. So, U.S. will remain very strong in the space uh, area, for sure. I think Europe is strong and will be stronger and stronger. Uh, the last uh, ESA budget is the biggest one that has uh, ever been voted. Uh, so, for sure, and there is no new uh, Director General. Uh, Joseph Ar- Archenbacher, and he wants more to uh, to, f- to 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 follow somehow the steps of NASA with more, let's say, private contracts, etc. So I think this is going to fuel a lot of m- many more, let's say, space companies in Europe. So definitely, I think Europe is uh, is going to be to be really great uh, at the space level. Um, Within Europe, yeah, there are of course some uh, very uh, particularities. Uh, UK has always been very strong. Luxembourg did amazing, let's say, in uh, in recent years, and it's really becoming a very important up for uh, new space companies. Uh, I will not underestimate UAE. Uh, that uh, really did uh, did a lot in recent years and the uae agency uh, they have uh, very big plans etc uh, obviously they have a lot of money so i think we we are going to have big surprise also coming from uh, middle east um, and yeah of course we cannot uh, let's say in your uh, let's say asia for sure uh, Japan, uh, China and some other countries, of course, Uh, but I I know less, I would say. Uh, So as far as I know, I would bet uh, still on US, Europe and maybe Middle East. I think uh, these these territories, in my opinion, in the 10 uh, coming years uh, will remain strong, even not stronger.
1: And what do you think, in your opinion, uh, being so in close proximity with Luxembourg and being in Luxembourg, what do you think Luxembourg is doing right that others can follow perhaps in the case of space resources and a large proponent coming to the lunar economy from there?
0: yeah, I think what Luxembourg uh, does is that first of all uh, they they play their role as a government I mean they they really invest. Uh, in companies that, uh, that just uh, yeah, can make some immediate return for the country. If I look at a company that I know quite well, you know, Marna Electric, uh, we are supported by the Luxembourg Space Agency, and thanks to them. And we started in 2018. Uh, we were just, let's say, you know, uh, five uh, co-founders. And now we are uh, more than 30 people, and probably by end of this year we will be 40, 45 people. And we attracted a lot of people that are coming from other countries. So now either they live in Luxembourg or, uh, or close to the border, but they have some, uh, let's say life uh, uh, economic life, let's say, in Luxembourg. So for the country, this creates some economical value. So I think they were smart uh, to understand this, that you, that uh, the future of the country is to attract, let's say, emerging uh, technologies and uh, and fields like space. Of course, Luxembourg has always been active in space, thanks to SCS. But yes, they understood that uh, they, they, they could become, uh, they could, let's say, be active in a very specific niche, the space resources, and they use the space resources as a kind uh, of Formula One to attract, let's say, uh, different, let's say, space entrepreneurs. And now there are companies active in downstream, upstream, in many, uh, uh, let's say, fields of the space uh, industry that are active uh, uh, in Luxembourg. I think probably there are uh, 60 uh, now companies active in, in the space field in Luxembourg. So for a very small country like this, I think it's awesome uh, result. Um, and what was the, the second part of your questions?
1: Well, uh, we're talking about Israel, but I'm very curious to hear about you know your thoughts on the, the 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 ship that you're running with Eban Space instead, because you know what are some of the next steps, uh, some plans um, around Eban and space? Uh, is there a hub coming up? Is there an accelerator? Is there a hackathon's happening?
0: No, Eban Space is. Uh, it is I would say, uh, at the earth of the ecosystem in Europe, uh, in the space ecosystem in Europe. So we we have connections. We have, of course, a very strong relationship with ESA. Uh, but we, we have, uh, yeah, we have interactions with all the key uh, stakeholders. So, of course, the startups, the entrepreneurs, uh, the corporates. Uh, for example, uh, we did uh, two years ago... Uh, an innovation showcase at Thales uh, in Cannes. So we invite uh, eight uh, startups uh, to come there to present themselves to Thales. Thales follow up with each of them. And uh, in some cases, uh, either the Thales invested into the companies or uh, is doing business with the companies. So we try to be an enabler. We organize also events. Uh, of course, before the COVID, it was physical events. Now it's digital events. Uh, last year, we organized uh, about ten uh, webinars. Uh, the um, and uh, four of them were with ISA. So we had uh, Josef Achembacher, so the the new uh, director general. He, he was there. We had. Uh, uh the the former general director um uh Mr. Jan Professor Jan Werner so uh we also organize uh, a series of uh webinars uh, with uh, uh different uh, actors from the space industry uh, from uh, from Americas from Asia from Middle East so we we try uh, one of our role is also to demystify space uh, so that uh uh, normal or I would say non-space business angels, they understand the benefit of space. Um, uh, we will, uh, we will do much more in the coming, uh, weeks and months. Uh, there will be several announcements in that respect. So we try to be really, uh, yes, uh, active in the space ecosystem and trying to help, uh, basically entrepreneurs in different respects. So of course, we invest into uh, some companies, but we also provide mentoring. uh, We provide connections uh, or we just uh, raise the awareness uh, or we put in touch uh, other investors with startups. For example, at the events uh, webinars that we did, after each webinar, there were startups that were able to pitch. And there was a jury from IBAN uh, members that were selecting, uh, let's say, one of one at each event, and then uh, these uh, the winners uh, they had the opportunity to pitch at an investor forum in front of, uh, let's say, VCs, and in some cases uh, some investors are going to invest in some of these companies. So, and. Yeah, these are some companies where sometimes uh, uh some of our members have invested into the companies. So for us it's a, it's a way also to uh to catapult or to boost some of the startups we have invested in by uh yeah giving them uh a much bigger visibility thanks to our network because we have really uh connections at very high level. So that's uh
1: yeah, and, and it's very interesting because the, the, the space community that is related to EBAN is is quite robust and, and there are individuals that actually understand the ecosystem very, very well. So I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on, you know, what would you what would you recommend to your other business angels? Should they invest in space? They invest in space and come to EBAN. And learn about space. Should they go to international space university to learn about space? What are your thoughts on that?
0: I think if, if, of course, some investors, they want to invest, some business angel, they want to invest in space. I think being a member of Iban space is probably the best platform for them to be really aware about uh, uh, the opportunities into, uh, into space uh, and to be also uh, supported by a group of, uh, individuals and organizations that, uh, yes, are really at the earth of the ecosystem. Uh, uh, it's true that among our executive uh, team uh, of Eban Space, we have a representative from Seraphim, from ESA, uh, so we have really a well-diversified, uh, uh, let's say, um, uh, board, uh, executive team, uh, where, yeah, we have really the, the among, let's say, the, the most, let's say, uh, influential, let's say, people in Europe uh, and even in the U.S. Uh, uh, in terms of uh, of uh, space investing. Uh, so, yes, I would encourage people to just uh, reach out to me and, and, and contact us and to be part of, of the team. Now, if they want to learn about space, I mean uh, yes there are uh, plenty of uh, of online courses etc there is ISU and for example the at ISU they have this uh, executive uh, program of one week which is, I think uh, if of course uh, the guys they don't have time to do a one year master there is the one week let's say executive program which I think is a great program to have a general overview um uh, yeah so there there are plenty of ways to uh, uh, to to know about space, uh, or to just attend, you know, our our webinars. Uh, I think it's also a great way to to know more about uh, space investing.
1: Yeah, definitely, and uh, I'm sure we'll find a way to to link the two when we're when we're when we're ready to publish the episode. But um, you know, I I'm very curious to, and I always ask this to all of our guests that why do you think. Uh, why and how should humanity push to be space forward? I think I already answered this. I think it's it's
0: really inside humans to always explore. Uh, from the early age of humanity, you know, humans they always wanted to see beyond. Let's say uh, the the next garden, then the next let's say forest, uh, then the 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 next sea, uh, et cetera. So uh, I think it's, it's inside humans to always try to see, okay, what, what is there uh, and, and to explore. And uh, of course on Earth now we have explored almost all the surface of the Earth. So the, the next frontier is, is really space. Uh, there are so much to be explored into space. Now, space is, is the hardest, let's say, environment to be explored, uh, because uh, most of us, we are dreaming about space, but space is really not nice. <laughs> uh, there is radiation, there is, uh, there is, uh, yeah, you cannot breathe, etc. So it's, it's very difficult uh, to go into space. Uh, but, uh, yes, uh, what is there behind, you know, uh, uh, is there some other life or so, you know, that, I think we we have so many questions about space uh, also today yeah we 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 can go up to the big bang uh, thanks to the the very large telescope in Chile we were we were able to to see some celestial objects that are a bit before the big bang uh, so we understand a bit better uh, uh, how the universe was were, was created but again uh what is the meaning of all this you know and, and some people believe in god some people uh, don't uh, don't believe in god etc but i think that there is uh, probably a space is linked in my opinion and that's my vision is probably linked to somehow also uh, very philosophical uh, questions uh, from or spiritual questions from uh, what is the meaning of uh, our present on earth etc and when you are on in space, and it's what all astronauts are saying, is that you, you have a different perspective because you see the planeters, you see the planeters as a spacecraft, uh, and we are there. And but what is the meaning of all this, you know? And and, and what is the sense somehow of of humanity, etc. And 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 I'm I'm yeah I'm I'm convinced that uh, space. Give this perspective that somehow, because you you see the Earth from above, uh, you have another perspective to see uh, humanity, and so I think I think this is very interesting in my opinion.
1: Well, I think uh, we couldn't have wrapped it in a better way. This has been a this has been a very very insightful conversation for me, and I'm sure it ha- it will be once our audience listens to listens to it. So I truly appreciate you taking the time today and sharing the insights, diving into the first principles as, as, as we are um, embarking on this journey. And I think it's safe to say that anybody that is going to listen to this conversation is going to have a lot more information about how to invest and what to do um, than they had before. So thank you so much. Yes, uh, t- thank
0: you, Sign. Uh, it was a pleasure to to be here. Uh, yeah, it was uh, very cool. So uh, thanks a lot. I hope, uh, yes, indeed, that the audience uh, will learn something and probably they will have a different, let's say, uh, understanding about
1: uh, about space industry. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and I think I think it's important to say that. You know, the stuff that you're doing and the stuff that you've done, it's been a vital component of why we've been able to have that conversation today. So, you know, thank you for your leadership uh, and, and guiding uh, the European Business Angels Network. And, uh, and of course, uh, can't forget uh, your time at ISU Investing. So once again, thank you so much, Fabrice. Uh, it is, uh, it's an honor to have you and we hope to catch up in the future as well. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Space Forward. Stay tuned for more deep dives, explorations, and journeys we have in store for you. Follow us on Spotify, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, or YouTube. Hear you next time. And don't forget to send us your comments and questions. We will feature them in one of our next episodes. Stay tuned and see you soon.